Good afternoon and welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Chad Moyer, and, uh, filling in for Susan Littlefield. Don't worry, she'll be back on Monday. Uh, but for today, we get to visit with Sue Martin. She's with Ag and Investments, Clarion, Iowa. Sue, thanks for joining us here today. Uh, first of all, let's talk about the markets in general here uh, this week, and especially here on, on this Friday. Uh, you know, we were five to seven uh, cents off the lows, but Soybeans, you know, still down some 31 cents. Uh, Kansas City wheat was off 27 to 29. Corn ended about a dozen cents lower. Uh, before we talk about the specific commodities, just give me your thoughts about today's, you know, markets and, and this sell-off in general before the weekend. Well, I think what's happening is, you know, we had the Fed raise the rate, which was expected, uh, three quarters of a percent. But I think, you know, what really got the markets ambitious today for a decline to end the week was that Goldman Sachs came out and stated their year-end estimate for the S&P was uh, originally 4,300, and they lowered it to 3,600. And that was quite a, a step down. And also talking about recession or um, a recession or possibly deflationary period, and you have, in the meantime, with the interest rates going up, well, the dollar, the U.S. dollar, is still viewed as the best safe haven around the world. You know, we've had all the issues with Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, finding some of them not legal uh, or fraudulent or what have you, just bad press for that sector. And so that, again, pushes money from around the world into the U.S. dollar, and then also looking at our interest rates rising, 30-year fixed loan at, at 6.29%. You know, it's it's enticing global investors to come to the U.S. dollar and invest with the ability to put money on interest and garner more income than where they're probably getting at home or, you know, most anywhere else. And then you have the war going on with Ukraine and and Putin uh, drawing up 300 reserves, 300,000 reserves, and, of course, also uh, rushing to push the annexation of uh, four provinces or four, four areas of Ukraine. And um, what he's really after going after besides Dahansk and Luhansk or Dumbas and Luhansk is also and Kyrgyzstan is also the southern ports of the Black Sea. That's what he what he's after, I think. But by annexing them in, um, then it makes it look like Russian territory. And then uh, when Ukraine shoots at them, they have justification to go after Ukraine, and it could become even more uh, progressive or more war. And uh, he may, he's even uh, rattled the saber of possibly nuclear. So all of it's kind of sending the, the dollar stronger um, with money coming in towards the U.S. dollar. You know, we currently, as I speak, the dollar is up 173 at 112.83, and that's the highest we've been in over 20 years. But keep in mind, you know, 124, not uncommon, and... Back in the 80s, the mid-80s, the dollar got over 165 and, of course, hasn't revisited that since. So I think that um, when we look at this, that's 
adding more fear of how more expensive foods becoming, energies becoming, uh, all based in dollars and the lines of credit or letters of credit. And that's got everyone nervous thinking demand's going to falter and fall. But if we keep thinking about around the world, back in the 90s, they did away with those um, just-in-time inventorying reserves, or I should say the reserves that went to just-in-time inventorying. Well, they don't have reserves to fall back on now. And hungry people fight. So countries are going to push to get these reserves built. It takes time. And yes, they have to pay a little more. But if you look at the old days, this still is not expensive. And uh, foreign countries will come and pay for it if it's in the way of food and energy because those are the necessities of life. Yeah, in that situation, you gotta, gotta wonder, we're, we're not there, are we, Sue? Uh, we just don't have the, the ending stocks for folks to be comfortable. It, it's gonna take a couple of seasons, not only in the southern hemisphere, but the northern hemisphere, really to get back to comfort, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. We need to get back into some good production right now. You know, you've got China who, you know, basically is, um, in need of everything. And yes, they have some corn reserves they were building back a year ago, but basically China, the largest importer in the world, is making deals around the world with most anyone that can export. And of course, Argentina, um, who's been in big financial straits with inflation, has, you know, in the past, earlier this month, went to where they did a soybean uh, exchange currency and changed it 200 pesos to the dollar for soybeans. Well, that enticed the farmers to let loose of those beans. I think about 5.7 million metric tons even of new crop has, has been sold. But I would have to say a big chunk of those beans, one, the crushing margins are, you know, not profitable. So instead of crushing the beans for uh, soy oil or soy meal because Argentina is the world's largest oil, soy oil exporter. They're exporting the whole beans and of course the majority is going to China. Well, it's happening and that exchange rate changes here at the end of the month on September 30th, October 1st. So what's happening is that's all occurring at a time when that business would be coming to the U.S. and that's like a little black cloud hanging over, uh, our, uh, markets. Yep. All right. Uh, Sue Martin with Agate Investments there in uh, Clarion, Iowa. We'll come up. We'll come back with the second half of the Fontenelle final bell here in just a moment. Talk about what's going on over in the livestock side of things and more. Stay tuned. The second half of the Fontenelle final bell is coming up next here on the Rural Radio Network. With 85 years of serving Nebraska farmers, Fontenelle Hybrids is still committed to helping you meet the challenges in every field. In farmer-managed trials over the last three seasons, Fontenelle's 15 top-yielding corn products had over a 9-bushel per acre yield advantage over Pioneer's commercially available leading-volume corn products. That's a 75% win rate. No wonder Fontenelle is called the best-kept secret in the Cornhusker State. Contact your local Fontenelle dealer to see what all the fuss is about. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other VM. Chad Moyer back with you here on the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Again, joined with uh, Sue Martin from Agon Investments, Clary in Iowa. Uh, Sue, before we leave grains, uh, we were just talking about that situation over in the Ukraine and the interactions with Russia. And uh, people are starting to think about what next year's crop production could be like in the Black Sea region. And uh, the, the picture isn't very rosy at this point, is it? 
Well, it isn't. You know, it's feared that um, uh, the planting for uh, the production for wheat in the Ukraine will probably decline by 30%. But we also have to keep in mind that the region that uh, Russia is trying to annex in also accounts for about 20% of Ukraine's production of wheat. So, and you've already got Russia as the world's largest exporter of wheat. So, you know, it's a big thing for Ukraine. And, of course, the concern of food, because, you know, if they're able to garner those ports along the Black Sea, they're going to control what Ukraine can get out the door. And, um, yeah, it's a big deal. But uh, also, the world just tightens further on supplies of uh you know, food. And of course, rice stocks are in decline. And that rice is very interchangeable for wheat. So it's it's kind of an overall picture. But does it mean we have to take off and just roar out of here next year? No, we do not. Um, we can have a market that can continue to push up, turn around and give up ground. Um, next year is going to be an interesting year. Usually years of a three make nice highs. But uh, we've also had some cycles come in here for 22, and we've seen a double top made on wheat. Even though it made new all-time highs, it was still a double top. And you made a double top in beans and corn, basically, for a lead contract, has a double high in here as well. So the markets are stepping back and trying to reset. And then we'll see how we fare as we move in more into next year. The focus is going to be changing over to what our yields are like in the fall here as we move into harvest and of course the next 10-day forecast is warm and dry but also with planting taking off and running very smoothly and progressing in brazil with also the knowledge that they're planning to add three million more hectares in the cerrado area into production uh the concern is is so far they're catching some moisture where they need to. More of the dryness seems to be in the center north to the north. And um, the focus is going to be on, uh, I think, will be really become centered on South American production. Uh, we've got Argentina with some drought ongoing right now. That lowered their wheat crop. But on the same token, Brazil's bean crop, how good is it going to be? They're being able to plant pretty decently to get a good start. And that's going to be the focus as we go forward uh, into the turn of the year. All right, Sue, so let's turn our attention to the mercantile. Live cattle, feeder cattle, hogs, they were all lower today. Uh, again, is it kind of this risk-off mentality, pressures from uh, some of the outside markets versus the fundamentals in these meat markets, do you think? I think so. You know, we look at the hog market, and it was down pretty hard today. One thing I've heard is, is I have a client that uh, order buys roasting pigs. And he said the supply of pigs this summer was really good. And he said he's still seeing very good offers of roasting pigs, not only in southern Canada, but on in towards across the northern portion of uh, the U.S. And then you look at uh, the, you know, the increase in the dollar or the move higher in the dollar and the fact that it's not letting up. I'm also thinking that's slowing our export demand for pork and especially as we move into China. All right, I see. So just as we kind of wrap up here, again, kind of week to end the week here this week, grains and cattle, uh, or grains and livestock. Uh, looking ahead, what are some of the things that you're going to be watching for as we get into trade next week and, and then into October? 
Well, I think as we move into next week, first off, corn had an inside down week. And we were lower last week. Um, you know, we just couldn't seem to get last week's highs out. We missed it by a half a cent. And, um, or three, yeah, about a half a cent. And the downside, we tried it here today. So you have an inside lower range week. I would suspect we'll try to come down and test that because as we move into next week, weather's ideal for harvest. The heat that's going to start to come back into the Midwest is certainly going to drive the drying down of crops, especially corn, but beans too, to where that's going to push the harvest. We're going to go from one crop to the next without much of a stop in between, but farmers won't have to spend money for drying down corn this year. Mm-hmm. Sue, if folks would like to follow along with what you're doing in the markets, uh, you know, get some information from you, give us your contact information. How do they get a hold of you? Well, our number is 1-800-527-0051. And, Chad, you have a good weekend. S- same to you, uh, Sue. Thank you very much. Sue Martin from Ag and Investments at Clarion, Iowa, our guest on today's Fontenelle Final Bell. A reminder that trading of commodity futures does involve substantial risk of loss. It might not be suitable for all investors. That is today's Fontenelle Final Bell. It's brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and your local Fontenelle dealers. Here on the Rural Radio Network, Chad Moyer reporting.